nah, this is really, oh man, I don't even know how to describe the feeling. Like, cause this is just a special episode for me. It doesn't feel like an episode. You know what I mean? It just feels like a, I don't know, you're always good at like finding the right word for me. Feels like we sitting in the porch room, getting ready to turn on an episode of Blacklist. Yeah. Oh, man, man. <laughs> an episode of Blacklist or sitting in the living room doing, yeah, just doing us. Yeah, just doing mm-hmm. us, man. So we have my other mother here, Stacy. I don't, I don't ever call you Stacy, but, but Miss Stacy, that's her name, Miss Stacy Dupre. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'll, and I'm excited, really, just because of the impact that you've had on my life, but so many other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm excited just for the for the conversation just we're going to have. So I want to put, first put the conversation in context and mm-hmm. you introduce, you know, yourself. Okay. And then we'll get into, you know, your upbringing, career, sort of why you do what you do. Okay, well, you know me, I'm Stacy Dupre. Now, I've been in Delaware now for... Ooh, over 20 years, but I do not consider myself a Delawarean. I know you I make that very clear. I am New York City, yep. um, born and raised in East Harlem. Um, but, you know, St. Andrews has always been a part of my life, so coming back to Delaware and coming to St. Andrews. But um, what can I tell you? I am, I am first and foremost a, a mother, a wife, um, a woman of God, mm-hmm. uh, and I love what I do. I transitioned in life a couple of times. Um, again, returning to St. Andrews as a second career, because um, I worked in telecommunications for 15, for 15 years yeah. before I decided to make this switch. Um, and part of what prompted that switch in my life was really looking back. I guess you get to a point, you haven't gotten quite to that age yet, <laughs> but you get to a point where you really start to try to reevaluate where you are mm-hmm. in life. And I loved my life in the city. I loved working telecommunications, but certain things started to happen with people who, and, and actually I can pinpoint it to a point where one of my, my first English teacher at St. Andrews, Hoover Sutton, um, we had gotten an a, a email, I guess back then it was an email. Um, we did have internet at that point. Uh, that said he Ethernet. was not, he was Ethernet, right, <laughs> dial up, um, but said that, you know, he had, um, he'd been diagnosed with cancer and had refused any further treatment. And it was sort of that email, you know, reach out if you want a chance to send him a card and let him know how much he means to you. And so at that point I was like, oh my gosh, Mr. Sutton, I remember him being one of the first people at St. Andrews, because I came to St. Andrews straight out of public school in New York City. Um not quite prepared for what I was entering. And when I got there, it felt like I had fallen into another planet where kids were so much smarter than I was. And I was like, I I had no clue what I was doing, but I knew that because I'd gotten there, somehow I was going to have to see my way through there because there was no going back home, right? And there were times when I was ready to give up. And I was like, I Shakespeare, I was like, I don't understand anything these people are saying. And... He was one of the first people to say, you know, you got this. It's going to take a little bit of catch up, but we'll meet, we'll get together, we'll work on it because you deserve to be here. Mm. And so, you know, fast forward now, I'm a parent and, you know, I'm getting this news that, you know, he's in the situation that he's in. 
And I wanted to reach back out to tell him how much I appreciated all he did for me. And I'm writing this card out. And then I start to think, wow, I was one of, I don't know how many students he taught in his lifetime. And he is probably getting so many cards and letters that are saying the same thing that I'm saying to him mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So everybody's got a time that's going to come. What is my time going to look like? Right? Who am I impacting? You know, I'm not going to come to you know, that stage in my life and somebody's going to say, you know, I picked up my phone and there was dial tone and I thought about you and how grateful I was for you because there was dial tone, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that sort of prompted my, how can I, what should I really be doing with my life? I mean, I'm great. My kids are wonderful. I'm impacting this small community here, but what, could, what more could I do? And then the opportunity came for me to go back to St. Andrews. Mm -hmm. And at the first onset, I was like, mm, Middletown, Delaware, I don't know if I want to go back there. But then 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, my oldest daughter was already at St. Andrews. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in the middle of the chaos in, in New York, right, that parents weekend in October, I couldn't wait to get back on that campus. Mm -hmm. And when I got back on that campus, it was like, whoo, I could exhale. And then I started forming these connections with kids who were there. I was, they were friends of my daughters and filling us a, a void that existed when I was a student there for students made all the, and I was like, maybe I should be thinking about going back to St. Andrews. And of course, you know, my relationship with the Roaches, yeah. who had, he had always been trying to get me to come back. Um, we sat down and I thought, maybe we can do this. And a year later, right. I was working for St. Andrews again. Um, and, now, and, and now 19 years and five months or something oh like my that, gosh. right? Later, I'm <laughs> later, I am still here mm -hmm. and, and loving what I'm doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So much there um, that I want to unpack. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to go back, though, like, back, back, back to okay. East Harlem, right? And you growing up in the projects there during some of Harlem's darkest times, right? With the rise of crime, the crack epidemic, like it's, uh, I mean, it's a, it, was, it was a lot, right? I mean, like, so I want to yeah. like, Talk to me about, and we don't, I don't think we've ever, we, I know you we always. You gotta go further you, back now, baby. Further I was back. crack. I was grown. Oh, <laughs> my bad. Oh. I was grown. No, we're talking, <laughs> I grew up, um, so better context. So you, right. you have to go down to, what is the name of that show? The, um, the, the, the boogie down, the breakdown. It was, a, it was a show. It only lasted one season, but back where the Bronx was burning, mm. right? Um, where there was just graffiti everywhere. The streets were dirty. It, I probably came up more in the first heroin sort of oh. epidemic um, in that sense. So I was growing up in the city. I, I was born in Harlem, Harlem Hospital, and I lived in, and this is where, you know, you appreciate generational living. I lived in the projects, St. Nick projects, two-bedroom apartment, and there had to be about 10 or 12 of us living in that in that two-bedroom apartment together. Um, but family is family, and family is close, and we eventually moved on up. I considered myself the Jeffersons, yeah. right? To the east side, we moved. Uh, everybody moved into their own separate apartments in these high-rise condo um, co-ops that they built 
31st floor, t- beautiful views. Mm-hmm. So we sort of moved on up. But, I, yeah. but again, this was in East Harlem. And I went to public school. Um, I... You know, I was always, I always did well in school. Mm-hmm. And probably, you know, kind of kids, you did well. You didn't really have to study real hard. Um, you just knew what to do. You, you got your work done. Um, and then I transitioned into junior high school. And it was the first time I ever had to work really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember this math teacher. I, I could not get math. And I thought he was the meanest teacher in the world. Um, and... It sort of ignited something in me. I couldn't get it. He kept saying, oh, what's wrong with you? And I got sick. For, I was sick for a week, and I said, I'm going to be home, and I am going to figure this out. And I worked, and I worked till I figured it out. And when I got back and I sort of aced that quiz that we had, I really realized that, you know, there was I could, I could do whatever I set my mind to. Mm. Um, and it was then in junior high school that I was always – in a theatrical drama play, singing, musical, that was what I loved to do. Yeah. And my plan was to go to either music and art and performing arts high school. Mm-hmm. So I went to a performing arts junior high school, was working on my audition um, for music and art and performing arts, and a school counselor knew about a program called A Better Chance. A Better Chance. Mm-hmm. And she was the type of counselor that, you just did what she told you to do. Even if you didn't want to do it, if, if, if Joyce Duncan told you to do it, you did it. And she said, I want you to take this test. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I went and we took the SSAT because uh-huh. that was the entry test. And I left there thinking, mm, didn't do well on that. Let me go work on my audition for music and art, performing arts. And when we got the test results back and I got into the program, I was like, wow, boarding school. I can do that. So I'm like, so back in the day, the only reference I had for boarding school was the facts of life. And I said, oh, I could be 2D, the right. one little black child riding around on her roller skates. Yeah. You could do it. It looked like fun. How did you, I mean, how did your parents, how did they feel about so, that? And you leave, yeah. My parents, okay, so I, I'm an only child mm-hmm. in a huge family. My parents, really, whatever it was that I wanted to do, if I wanted to do it, they were going to support me on it. They didn't have a clue what boarding school was. Right. But okay, you want to go, you can go. Um, and so I had that kind of support. I had aunts. Like, I lived in the same building with my grandmother, my two aunts, my three cousins in one building. I had another aunt, another cousin in another building. We, we were just always close. And my, my mom had six sisters, and they supported everything I ever wanted to do. If Stacy wanted to do it, you can do it. It was always that kind of, if you want to do it, go ahead, and we'll support you. Yeah. And so my parents, they were all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they wanted to get rid of me. I don't know. Right. But they right. were all, right. all for it. And so I got accepted to a couple of schools, mm-hmm. but I never visited one of them. At that time, I don't think we were invited to visit. I think it was more of that mindset if we offer you this, you don't need to come see us. You just need to come and take it, right? Um, and so the first time, I, I chose St. Andrews because I didn't like the cold. Okay. And I knew if I went any further north in New York, it was going to get colder. I knew we passed through Delaware on our way to South Carolina every year. But I thought Delaware was part of Maryland because mm-hmm. you didn't get, it wasn't you, very you, much to you, you Delaware. Just, you just you passed, passed through. Right through. So, right? right? And so I figured, okay, I'll go to St. Andrews. 
Wow. And that's how I ended up at St. Andrews. See, I didn't even know you made the decision, like, just, or why you made the decision for SAS. But this gives, like, context. And, yeah. and then you have to think about it, right, at that point in time. So we're talking 1980, 81. Mm -hmm. Even if I, I think it's, it was up to me, but I think presented with the opportunity, my parents would have said, you have to take this. Because I could have gone to music and art, performing arts in the city, but the opportunity to actually be in a boarding school setting and all that represented, right? There was no way that I couldn't do it. Right. So. Or were you going to? And, and and also to add on that, would you have gotten that same experience? You know, having oh no. stayed in New York, right? I I I don't I can't I can only imagine the person I would have been. Had I stayed, yeah. and and I don't think not in any really negative kind of ways. I'm not saying that. I think just the exposure mm -hmm. to getting to know people who you know my block was small. You know, you you knew everybody. Everybody sort of had the same situation going on as you did. Um, being introduced to people who were living totally different kinds of lives. It yeah. opened me up. Now I had a hard time too, and, and that's and that's what I listen. That's what I want to talk about because <laughs> right. I'm like, all right. So like you, you already sort of explained how big family was, right? Mm -hmm. How much you got that positive reinforcement from your mom, sisters, and just from everybody, right? In terms mm -hmm. of reaffirming your identity and the fact that you could do anything, and then you go to SAS, and you already, I mean. Being my advisor, you know the str the struggles that I went through, struggles real. right? And mm -hmm. so I know <laughs> facts. So. How did you navigate academically? But I'm more so, I want to talk about some of the social, social challenges. So you go through this thing. So I, when, I, when I got to St. Andrews, that first opening day, I got there. My parents, we drove. It was a Saturday because that's when moving day usually was. Um, I actually had a chance to watch the Saturday morning cartoons that started first. Y'all don't know anything about all of this. But, um, but we left after and, and we got there. And... It was cornfields, right? Mm -hmm. It was just nothing but farmland and cornfields at first. And we pull up into the school, and you have all of these white faces greeting you. And we got in, moved my stuff in the room, and my parents were actually getting ready to leave. And I asked, I was like, wait, wait. Because then it hit me, right? Wait, y'all going to leave me here? And so they were like, well, that was the game plan. That's what we came here for. I was like, but y'all haven't, we haven't even seen another black person yet. Like, we had been there for about three hours and had not seen another black face. And my mother looked at me and said, you didn't notice this is what she was signing up for? And I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And so they, they drove off. I was the only black girl in my class. And at that time, I was the only black girl living on that side of campus, right? So it was, it was two sides still, you know, freshmen and I guess it was juniors at that point, and then sophomores lived over there and then seniors throughout. But there were, there were no black people. And so it's like, okay, this is going to be really interesting. It felt like you were dropped in the middle of another planet. So by that same token, I'm here, and I, I mean, I've gone to school with a few white people before, but not like this. But I'm also surrounded by people who have never gone to school with a black, girl. To with a, with a black girl. And now I'm living in a dorm 
right, where I am the only black person in this dorm, and there are things that, it's, really, it's just different what you do. Um, I'll never forget, and, and we'll come back to this too, because I learned a lot out of this situation. There was, well, no, let me back up a little bit, because you also have sort of the family pressure. Like my cousin, my older cousin, he's six years older than me, he was like a brother to me. I thought he was my brother when we all lived together. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he just kept saying, on, I just need you to do one thing for me. You go away to this white school, do not date a white boy. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. You had even the whole idea of my friends, like, oh, don't you? White people smell, mm. right? Especially when it, and I'm just like, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. What have I really gotten myself into? And I get there, and I have all of these competing, you know, you can't really trust white people kind of from, yeah, from home. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm like, well, dang, if I don't trust, I'm, I'm stuck around. Okay, so so it really puts you at a heightened sense of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was this one day I was in my room. Like, I ironed my clothes, right? That was a, because yep. you could not be wrinkled. Yep, don't know, and they didn't understand why I was ironing my clothes because you could just put it in. I'm just like, mm -mm, my, my mother, my grandma, we could not be wrinkled. You could also not be ashy. Mm -hmm. So I'm in my room, right? Because back then, it wasn't a whole lot of different lotions and stuff. We used Vaseline, right? And if you were lucky, you had the Vaseline intensive care brand and not just the petroleum jelly uh, okay. that was cheaper to have, right? And I'm in my room, and I'm, I'm greasing my legs because that's what we, you know. And I had a classmate who was walking by my door, and stopped and was like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? And I'm like, I stopped because I'm like, what? So she said, what are you putting on your legs? I said, I'm greasing my legs. Why? I was like, so did I, so I don't get ashy. And she made this whole big deal. And, oh, my gosh, everybody come here. So people are coming out of their rooms to look into my room because they've never seen anybody actually putting... Vaseline on their legs. And so that, so immediately I was like, ooh, I don't like her. I don't like her, right? She went on that internal list. And I don't know whether y'all, you know, by the time you came around, whether you still had these internal lists of people that, okay, I'm going to hate her forever. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make sure that she knows it. That was sort of, and then it just, everything I did. The other thing I will say because, again, dialect can be different, right? The, the way you speak, the vernacular you use. I never, when you say, now I'll do it all the time now, ask me a question, or I'll ask you a question. When I first got to St. Andrews, it wasn't ask. Mm -hmm. It was ask. Ask me a question. That's mm -hmm. what you're going to do. What did, what did she ask you? Yeah. Right? I didn't recognize that it sounded like I was saying like, uh, right, uh, A-X, right. yeah. But that's just how we talked. And I got teased a lot for saying that. Like, it was like, I said, well, I don't know. I'll, I asked him. Oh, my God, Stacy asked somebody. And it was this whole, Stacy's asking, Stacy's asking. And I was like, oh, gosh. So just being mindful of how I talked, mm. being mindful of, like, I, I, there were things I wouldn't, I'd, I'd seize up and not say anything just so that I wouldn't say it wrong and people would have something else to tease me about. But then there was the other side of that because you're also black and people have this idea that 
you mean and you fight and and I I've had a couple of fights before I went to St Andrews. I've never had a fight at St Andrews, but you then you start to wear that person. You start to become like don't don't test me. Mm. Don't you know? Um, and then it got to the point where then they wouldn't because they didn't know exactly. I was not yeah. well. I don't think I was going to hit anybody because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to get put out. But you start to wear that persona that is actually being put on you. Yeah, it's it's what and this is like. Very academic, but it's what W.E.B. Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois says: the the double consciousness, right? You start to see yourself through the lens Things of how they it. see you. Exactly, and sometimes you use that to your advantage. I mean, if you, yeah, so hey, you use hey, it to your advantage, hey, yeah. um, and then sometimes it's just not helpful. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening for me, right? And this is the whole power of connection and finding family. So while I was the only black girl on this side of campus, there were four other black girls who lived on the other side of campus. They were older. Um, There were three in the sophomore class, and then there was one in the junior class. Mm -hmm. And the one girl in the junior class became my sister best friend for life. That was Treva, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And we we became so, we were like inseparable. Um, We became a support for one another in ways that, Again, St. Andrews, maybe it's all boarding schools. I don't want to put it just, but we, like, to this very day, are like family. Yeah. Right? And she helped me so much, and I think I think I helped her a lot, too. <laughs> but um, so I had that connection, and that helped. And then we had a group of students, black students, who we may not have all really liked each other, but by virtue of the fact that we were we all it. we had, we, it. <laughs> we became yeah. like a family. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you start to build the connections right. with them. But your, con- but your connectivity wasn't limited to just people who look like you, though, right? And, like, I know how instrumental yes. Ted and Elizabeth so, <laughs> were. So, like, you got to talk, talk, talk to me. Talk about that. Yeah. So, so, okay, that's so that this is freshman year, ninth grade. I'm sitting in Mr. Sutton's English class again, reading. I don't maybe it was Romeo and Juliet at that point in time. Nope, because that was I'm sorry, that was that was ninth, that was 10th grade because that was a whole it but it, it it was actually it was um Julius Caesar. Okay, we're reading, and I'm just like, I don't understand anything these people are saying. I don't know that I'm and how am I going to get through this? I remember sp- the specific. Where I was sitting in that classroom, that if I don't figure something out, this is not going to work. And at the time, because, you know, I, I didn't realize God was helping me out in this area. But I looked out the window, and across the golf, coming across the golf, there was a, it was a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Roach. She was new, newly married. He was a young faculty member. And I saw them walking to their apartment in what is now Bomb. Right. And out of the when when I saw them, something just said to me, connect to them and you'll be okay. Find some way to connect to them. They didn't teach me. I didn't play field hockey. Um, but that winter she was the JV basketball coach. And I was going out for basketball because what else was I gonna do? Right. <laughs> no. Um and I made a connection with her. And 
because of their name, like Roach was their name, and before she got there, he was Bug. That's what the kids called oh, him. Oh, really? And then she got there, and it was like, oh, Ladybug, yeah. right? And we're at their house, their apartment, having a psych party for a basketball game. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, hmm, how do, how do, I, how do I make this connection happen? And I said, you know what? He's Bug, you're Ladybug, y'all need a baby bug. I'm going to be your daughter. That's what I just told her. I'm going to be your daughter. Um, and you're going to be my mom and dad. And she, I remember her looking at me like, okay, <laughs> if you say so. Um, and then I was like, and I'll be baby bug. And Treva, who was not necessarily playing basketball, she was the manager uh -huh. of the team. I said, she's going to be junior bug, right? So we, I create, and I held them to, I mean, like I literally was, started calling them mom and dad started being at their house all the time and they welcomed me with open arms. Now, I never really knew their side of the story and how they had experienced it until recently when the Elizabeth gave the right? final graduation talk and then was able to put all of that together. Um, and they were there for me. They were the people who recognized that our students of color, which we are now called, but it was really black students because it was all diversity, pretty much was, mm -hmm. needed some space to be. And I remember them, you know, we I'd be there at their house, me, Treva, and it was Mike Patton used to come to. And I remember them saying to us, we have no idea what it's like for you to be here, but we do recognize that it has to be challenging and difficult. So what we want to do is to offer y'all a space to come to talk. We can be here if you want. We can leave you here alone if you want. But we know you need some, some place where y'all can feel you can come together and mm. talk. And that's where it all started. Right. Um, it wow. was Thursday nights in their apartment during study hall. They, got a, they caught a lot of gripe for having us at their house but they did it, um, and that sort of became the first affinity group St. Andrews right. ever ever knew. Um, and that space and that relationship and being able to connect to them, and even if they didn't know what it was firsthand, they always listened. Mm -hmm. They all they you know they never sort of told us what we should be feeling. They just listened and they supported. And if there was something we needed, they provided it. So that and, wow. Wow. And, and, and and what I will also say, like I had an amazing roommate. Mm -hmm. My, I mean, Ann Gammons was an amazing roommate. Um, she was from Yardley, Pennsylvania. And we clicked. She was she was always so supportive. We stayed roommates up until our senior year, where I lived in a single in Pell. Well, it's Pell now. Um, and then she was on a sophomore dorm. But we still remain friends to this very day. Um, and then I'll circle back to the, the, the person that I put on my hit list, right? That girl the, with the yeah. Vaseline and mm -hmm. that and I like hated, I right? hated the whole, almost the whole time I was there. We ended up living together our senior year in the same dorm. And I couldn't for the life of me imagine why they would put me on a dorm with her. I didn't want to live with her. But because we were, we, we had the opportunity to talk, 
And she said, you know, Stacy, I always had the sense that you didn't like me. I said, I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I didn't like you at all, at all. And she's like, and I never could figure out why. And so I, I remembered exactly why. And I shared that with her. And she was like, oh, my gosh. She said, I did not mean that. Like, I just never, I didn't that, know. Right. It just seemed so strange. And that was an opening yeah. for us. And we ended up building such a great friendship wow. over that senior year and beyond. Yeah. Um, her name was Kristen Schucher. And my first daughter mm -hmm. was named Kristen wow. <laughs> because of her. And... I think about Didn't I know that. what what could have been, right, if there was even ever any dialogue, right? If I hadn't, of course, I understand why I was hurt and, and my response. I understand why she would not have ever come to me and said, you know, I'm sorry, this would, you know. Mm -hmm. But if there was a way or somebody or some language, you know, if we knew the tools and language to be able to come together and say, ouch, that hurt. This is what you said to me. And this is how I, you know, we got it now. Mm -hmm. But what kind of friendship would have, what did, what, did we, what did we rob each other of for three, three years. years of like literally like, like daggers? I was throwing daggers at her all the time. And so, you know. It just opened up a wide. It wasn't just, it couldn't, we could not have survived if it depended on people who just looked like us. Mm -hmm. And I say survive, and I don't know that I mean survive, because th the truth is this. I don't think, because of the pressure that was put on us, and you probably felt it too, as a person who is being given this opportunity, you can't let it, you can't throw it away, right? right? So no matter what, I would have made it through, but in what shape would I have left there, right? You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and part of me even coming yeah. back to St. Andrews, because I know, and, and you have to do this in life, there's certain times, you have to sometimes fragment yourself. Um, what do you mean? So you have to, you can't always bring your full whole self to something. No matter how much we say it, there's certain, you know, we, we, you can bring a lot more of yourself, but there were times where, you know, you'd have to sort of break yourself in pieces and leave that piece back. I can't, I can't really present that piece. And I think that was more so then that people were leaving. You, you'd graduate from a school like St. Andrews, but then you'd have to spend so much of your energy pulling yourself back together. Right, reclaiming those pieces that you push to the side and trying to integrate that into who you've become as well. And I hope that what my presence there and what I'm doing for not just the students of color but also white students as well is helping kids not to have to put in so much work after they leave to bring themselves back together, to graduate more whole and in one piece than we used to have to do. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And that was just the profound way of you just describing that. Because um, I just know that when I left, um, there was some work. And I'm maybe not as much work, you know, <laughs> as when, mm -hmm. you know, 
there were, you know, few people of color there, but um, no, that really that does that does resonate with me. One thing that you talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and I want us to sort of move move away. Mm-hmm. We'll touch upon St. Andrews as well okay. uh, because I know that's a part um, of your story too. But you mentioned transition. <coughs> you mentioned transitions, mm-hmm. um, and it's just funny when I was writing my notes. That's one thing that I wrote down, like mm-hmm. transitions and like the different just ways that you have had to navigate that transition and change. Um, I'm thinking about after you left St. Andrews and we never, I don't know, we, I don't know why we haven't ever talked about this when you left mm-hmm. SAS and UPenn, mm-hmm. but then Verizon for 15 mm-hmm. years, right? And I, I don't really want to focus, focus so much on like the career changes, but more so like how right. you view those changes, if that makes sense. Like, you know, and really like, <clears throat> maybe delve a little bit deeper deeper into what like what happened after hmm. after so after i left st andrews right because and it's interesting we'll talk about these transitions what's expected of you and then what actually happens mm-hmm. right so you're in this abc program you graduate st andrews who right you're going off to UPenn, and then there's a, there's a certain trajectory your life is supposed to take, right? Mm-hmm. But what happens when it doesn't take that trajectory? And that's sort of, I guess, my story. Um, and, and I appreciate the opportunity to even talk about it because so many times we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. We glance over it. Even in sometimes how I describe, well, you know, went to UPenn and then... Started a family and then you... Yeah, yeah, for a lot (coughs) of... Excuse me. Yeah. But, so I'm at UPenn um, and I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm doing my work and doing it. But then life takes a a switch and I end up getting pregnant. And now it's faced with, well, what are you going to do? So I have my child, but now I'm not at UPenn anymore. A lot of people don't know, right? I remember calling Tad and Elizabeth, right? Um, when was this? This must have was, so I graduated in 85. So this would have been the October of 86, right? And I'm calling them because, you know, and they're like, hey, how's everything going? And I'm like, it's, it's going, right? And they're like, well, where are you? How's school? And I'm like, well, I'm not quite at school anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm home in New York. And they're like, well, what's going on? And I'm like, well, I'm going to have to come see you soon so I can introduce you to your granddaughter. And, you know, I can't see them. We're not Zooming. This is <laughs> on the phone. And, but you hear the silence. And it's like, they're like, well, wow. We can't wait to meet her, right? And I'm just like, okay. There has to be some disappointment, but there's still the love, right? right? Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And so what do you do with the weight of that when, you know, your family, my parents, I mean, I'm the only child, um, everybody was, saw this, you know, you were supposed to do this, Mm. but you end up doing something else. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is what... I learned about myself in through high school and even in 
that one year college, it did prepare me to deal with life, right? And so life keeps going. Mm -hmm. And as long as I keep going, I haven't lost anything, right? I'm just, it's just gonna take me a little longer. Mm -hmm. The road is gonna look a little different. And I have more than myself to be responsible for yeah. on this. But did you have, so quick, quick mm -hmm. question. Did you have that perspective when you were going through it, though? I know, like, in retrospect in now. In retrospect now, no, right? absolutely not. Right. I felt like, oh, my gosh, I let everybody down. Yeah. I let everybody down. How do I recover from that? But I also think that there was something in me, even as I was dealing with that, recognizing that there's strength in me, right? And I'm still going to make my life, I'm, I'm go, it's, it's going to turn out good. I know I, I can. And I think even having, for me it was, what am I going to show my child? That was it. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard, but I also, again, and I'll go back to this, the family support system. I know, because I am now a parent, how challenging that must have been for my parents. But my parents, and I'll say really, my mother first. My father had a harder time. <laughs> had a harder time. But my mother was so supportive of me and never made me feel like, like you dropped the ball. Mm -hmm. She never, ever made me feel that. And I think that my grandmother never, ever made me, most of my aunts <laughs> never, ever made me feel that way. And that is what empowered me to just do, it's just what, who I am, I'm just applying it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, wait, college is going to have to wait because mm -hmm. I got to take care of my child. So I have to get a job. So where do I go? You know, I started out, you know, working at this, oh, my gosh, telephone answering service. I remember, like, the old pull a plug and plug it in, and I worked there for all of three days. I was like, this is not going to work. Um, I had, I, I was on a sort I had a day. I worked the first day, and then I was off two days. And during those two days, I was like, no, we got to go find another job. And I came back to work those two days, and had already accepted a job at National Westminster Bank. That was like, okay, we're going to go work at the bank. It was okay, but I wasn't really crazy about that job mm -hmm. either. Um, so, again, on the days off, because you don't just quit a job unless you have a job. Yeah. That's, my, at least that's my dad's theory. Um, and so on my days off, it was looking for another job, and I had an opportunity to take a test for the phone company. I took the test for one job. Mm -hmm. And did so well, they offered me a different job that was, and it doesn't hurt. And again, with it doesn't hurt when people see on you, you feel where you went, you went to University of Pennsylvania? Because I've had so many people who I interviewed with was like, you went to University of Pennsylvania? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing? And, but that helped. Those, I mean, it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll get you in the door, yeah. right? Yeah. And now it's going to keep you there, we don't know, but... <laughs> And so I landed the job at the phone company, and it was a great job, and I enjoyed doing it, and I worked my way up through every time there was an opportunity for a promotion or the moves, I'd, I'd do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was doing really well. Yeah. Um, 
actually had worked my way to a program at the phone company where you could go to school one day a week, right? They paid That's for it. Bronx, I was right? going to, and you yeah. would do you do that um, to get a, a associate's degree, and so I was like, well, why not let them pay for right. it and, and do it? Right. At the same time, though, so right before I finished that program, the year before I would have finished was when Tad was wanting me to come back to right. St. Andrews. Right. And so I was like, well, okay, I'll take a buyout. They were offering a buyout, so I did it. But it was important for me to finish that program, right? right? Because Just you, like you started before. That you started, you, started, you but, finished but, it, right? But you started at Penn and you didn't finish. And this, mm, I mean, so mm. you, you have to finish this. Right. And so even though it, I had to pay for it myself, they did let me finish the program. Yeah. And that... I was happy for. Um, and then it was the transition again with, you know, moving my family. Because at that, at that point, I had three children. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and my husband was like, I'm not leaving my job in New York City to go to Delaware. But you can go. Mm -hmm. And you can take the kids. And we'll work out these weekend things if this is what you want to do. Right. Um, and that's how... That yeah. transition happened. But I think a, a lot of it, and, and, and I know it is, there, there's, it's really ridding yourself of shame, mm -hmm. of not having accomplished what people thought you should have in the way that you should have done it. That is, it's, it's real. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely real. Um, and, and I know it's a, I mean, it's something that kids continue to deal with, mm -hmm. right? And so... What is the goal? That's what you have to think about. What exactly is the goal? To graduate full human beings, right? That my, because even if this doesn't work out, that's not all that is planned for you, mm -hmm. right? That's a stepping stone, and everybody's, again, everybody's track is going to move differently. Mm -hmm. And so you can't compare yours to somebody else's, right, right? Right. Nor, nor is life linear, right? Not at all. And I think a lot of times we get we get caught up in that. I mean, myself included, mm -hmm. right? Thinking that it has to be A, B, C. Mm -hmm. And if you, like you said, if you don't go on that trajectory, that you're a failure, right? right? Or that you're not enough, or that you didn't have what it take to to do that. And it's just that everybody's journey is different, and it's not this prescription right exactly um, and, and priorities will shift right depending on yeah. what's going on in your life exactly exactly now i think it was important for us to touch upon that just mm -hmm. because i think your life and everybody's life has been marked by transitions mm -hmm. you know and the impact that that has had one thing and one transition pivotal moment that you and i we've always we maybe touched upon mm -hmm. but i've never really known the impact that is like really have just because of like just the woman of strength that like that and the way you carry yourself is is Kristen mm -hmm. right and yeah. and yeah and just and and, and loot yeah. I, I don't I try to use my words wildly because like, it's not it's yeah okay. but like yeah but just her not being here and and and, and losing her um and the, and how have you kept her spirit and her legacy alive and what did that transition and that, and that change that has has have to have been the hardest transition i've made in my life and i think hopefully it will be the hardest transition i ever have to make in my life right um 
never expecting, because again, you never expect to lose your child, right? Um, there's so many things where, you know, I, you sort of get this, if you do everything right, right? If you do everything right, things should work out the way they should work out. And losing her, right, was losing her physically mm. was the toughest thing I've ever had to deal with. She was, again, the person who, I, I'm a mother. <laughs> it is. I am, that is who I am, whether I birth you or yep, not. Yep, that is who I yep. am. And she was the one who gave me that, right? She was the one who, who made me the mother that I am. And even, I mean, even in her loss, she made me a better mother. She was so full of life. So, I mean, she was the type, like, I, I would want to grow up and be like Kristen if I had a chance to do it. She loved everybody. Or she had a really good way of making right. people think that <laughs> yeah. she loved them, yeah. even if she didn't. And that's what's important, just how you make people feel. Mm -hmm. She was the kind of kid, even from a little child, who would find the person who was least involved and bring them in. She would, I remember we were in, we were in um, Disney World one year and we were online and those lines are horrendously long. And so you could be on the line for a pretty long time, but we were online behind a group of kids who were from Brazil. And we watched her play with this little girl who did not speak English, and she definitely was not speaking her language, watched her play with her and come, and somehow they were communicating. That's who she was. Or, or the kid, you go to a party and there was one kid sitting off to the side and not being included. Somehow she would drag that person in. That's just who she was. Now, she played a lot of tricks on her little siblings and it wasn't <laughs> right but that is who she was and even like her spirit was just huge and so you know to lose her she was such an important part of her younger siblings lives and to lose her at a time where Devin was was just turning just turned 15 Jalen was just turning 12 you know, Rashid was just turning 11, was just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely heartbreaking. And I can say that the times got really, really dark. Like, you know, where I just, I was almost like, I understood what people, like, never before have I ever contemplated, you know, I could just end this, right? Because I... The, I just, I'm not even sure how I'm supposed to go on. How am I supposed to get up each day and it not hurt just to get up? But, and, and I have to say, like, if it wasn't for my other children, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. But then it would have been, because every time it got really, really dark, I'd hear her say to me, come on, mommy, you got mm. this. You got this. And it was trying to honestly deal with the grief. We got great advice 
from people who have been through it mm -hmm. to let your kids see you grieve, right? Don't try to be brave for everybody in front of everybody. Just go with it. And I had a hard time with that because I was always trying to make somebody else feel better. I did that a lot. Mm -hmm. We would say that, I'm here to try to console you and you're consoling me. And I'm, I, I did a lot of that on the surface. But then I ended up having to go back and just sit in the pain um, and recognize that, you know, like you said, it's not linear at all. And there are times where I'm great. And there are times where I will just boohoo like a baby. But I learned a lot about me and being able to, because I, I don't like to boohoo like a baby. Yeah. I, don't, I like to keep it all together. I don't like things falling apart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what, again, she's taught me is that you can't keep, sometimes you're not in control right. of that. And you got to let it out and go so that you can continue to move on. And so we talk about her. All, I mean, how you keep a person alive is how you continue to celebrate them. Mm. So we continue to celebrate. I mean, you know, we do this balloon release, right? Every I was like, okay, we're not we're not doing this this year because this is just too. And every year we get them like, okay, we're gonna do this one more year. We're gonna do this one more year. Or her birthdays, because her birthdays, she would have us. I don't care what day of the week her birthday fell on. We had to celebrate that day. We'd have to go out to dinner. We and so we still do that in celebration of her and not in a not in a way that brings up it's it's the celebration because yeah. she is her smile her laugh all of it mm -hmm. is still it's still right there and you know i i paid a lot for therapy <laughs> for for me and for my kids i am a big proponent get as much therapy as you need but just so that we could continue to live to mm. honor her. Mm. And, and we do it. We do it through the scholarship fund in St. Andrews. We right. do it. I mean, there's just so, Kristen was larger than life. And, and I know we have we get great comfort in knowing that she's in our future. Mm. I just feel sorry for the people who didn't really get to know her personally. Yeah, <laughs> she, she missed out. Yeah. Missed out. And, mm. and, 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 well, and here's what's so, and again, the connection... St. Andrews is probably too much of my life, right? But because she went there and she, you know, her classmates mm -hmm. have been huge in helping to support. And there, you know, there are times where you could look at you, you see all of them, they're getting married and they're having kids and you're like, mm, we missed out, right? And that's true, we have. But she's also left us with the gift of these people who include us in those marriages and in all those weddings and in having those children and, and getting that it's just, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I want to transition to, uh, I feel like I keep using that word Good, to our, uh, to the, this, the mad minute segment of the podcast. It's, okay. And it's like rapid fire questions. It's not going to take a minute cause I have too many questions. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but being a native New Yorker mm -hmm. and a big sports fan, um, what's your favorite New York team to watch? To watch? Oh, that's terrible. Because I am a native New Yorker, and I am a big sports fan, and I support all New York teams. I can't say, like, the Knicks, ooh. 
they're not always great to watch. <laughs> so, um, I'm I'm gonna, and I'm not that great of a. Of a oh goodness, that's terrible. See, I thought you. No, mind. okay, I thought I, you were gonna. No, never mind. Go ahead, say what you're gonna say. I'm not. I'm. I have. I, I'm. I will support a New York team all day, every day. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a, a New York team that is my favorite team Brett, to watch. Okay, mm -mm. I thought you were gonna say the Knicks. Oh, the, no? the Knicks. I, my father's the the last Nick fan for life ever, but they they don't do us well. But no. okay, but you all right? But it hasn't always been like that, right? No. Like, and I know you have like a favorite New York Knicks player. Ooh, that's terrible to be a New York fan, and you can't say that. Mm -hmm. I was a. I was a Sixers fan. <laughs> what? I was a Philadelphia 76ers fan. And the year they, they won my team, it was Julius Irvin. It was Mo Cheeks. It was um, Moses Malone. It was um, it was Andrew Toney. Um, it was, who was my other guy? That, that was my team. Wow. I was not expecting that. I Ooh, thought you were going to say Greg Anthony. The no. <laughs> no. I was never. Um, I was. I was no. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. Just, huh. mm -mm. All right. A little curveball in there. If I had to say my favorite New York Nick ever, it would have had to been Bernard King. Mm. Okay. So we're going way. Yeah, you're going back. way back. You're going so way that, back. So that yep. would that would have to be. Huh. That would be it. Okay. Interesting. Um, why do you like Jalen Rose so much? Ooh. Well, I because I was a, I was a Fab Five fiend. Right. If I could have named my son Jalen, Jawan, <laughs> Christopher, <laughs> I would have done it. Um, but there's just something about the way he carries himself. He is just a smooth. He is he is always unapologetically himself, mm -hmm. and he's just smooth. Yeah. That's why Jalen. Okay. Um. Oh, okay, I like this one. Given your interest in, like, you know, in wellness and especially mm -hmm. starting, right, the your your business, mm -hmm. if you could do anything to improve health and or health care in rural America, what would you do? Oh, gosh. We need to make health care affordable, and we need to do it from an, a holistic, natural perspective and not pharmaceutical. Mm -hmm. I think, we, I think there's yeah. everything in the earth that is growing out of the earth that can heal our bodies if we just get back in tune with that. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Um, what's the what's the best dish that you can make? Ooh. I know I got the, my favorite what, what, that you made. I, but. You have my, the best, my collard greens, hand down, are, are the best dish that I make. See. That's it. I, see, I don't know, man, because there's too many. The sweet potato. The yamalo is, is, a, is a good one, the, too. But, oh, my uh, gosh. The you buffalo. Like the spaghetti. The spaghetti is you, so. That was your favorite. Oh, every time. And that's great, because that was easy. Yeah, right. I know. I was easy. <laughs> I, I was loved easy. It. Loved it. Easy. Yeah, I'm about to cook this Thanksgiving dinner for my advisees for the first time in two years. So I'm already, collard greens already working on them. I'm about to slide through <laughs> get that plate. Um, All right. This is the Ring the Bell Segment. This is mm -hmm. the, the same two questions I give every speaker. Okay. Um, what advice would you give your 16-year-old self? Mm. The advice I would give my 16-year-old self is to figure out what you want and what makes you happy and not be so consumed with pleasing other people. Yeah. And you think that at that time that you were a people pleaser? I, I'm still a people pleaser. Yeah. I still battle with that. Um, but I've learned boundaries. I've read books. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting 
things in place. But yes, figure out what makes me happy. Mm. Because that's really all I have control over. Yeah, yeah. What's your What's your why? My why, I have a lot of different whys, but my biggest why is to leave a legacy that covers multiple areas for my children and their children. So leaving the legacy of hard work, of integrity, of love for God and following his, his, his way, um, and financial security. It was just, I, that is leaving that legacy of wholeness mm -hmm. for my kids. Yeah. That is my why. Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, Ma, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, love I you. love you. I love, I love you, you so much. And I, I love you to the hills and back, and I am so proud of you Thank and you. all that you are doing. Thank you, Ma. Give me a hug. Give me a ah. hug. You already know. Uh. Move the mic. Right. Yeah, I'm going to move the mic. Move, move the mic. Move the mic. Love you. Mm. 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 Love Ooh, you. this guy. Ooh, man. And that guy. Yep. All right, we'll I love you. my guys.